0: From Ringler, this is Ringler Radio, a podcast where we keep you current on the latest news from the settlement industry, updates on nationwide litigation, trends in the legal and insurance industries, and everything in between. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. So when it comes to objective settlement solutions, the consultants at Ringler are your go-to experts.
1: Hello, 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 Ringler Radio fans. Welcome to another episode of Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Matt Ross. The phrase structured settlements typically references an injury claim. Well, what if I told you that structured settlements aren't limited to an injury? In fact, structured settlements can be used in a variety of claims, including what we are talking about today, employment disputes. Today, our guests are Britt Karp, an employment attorney at Alexander Morrison and FEAR, and Chris Chan, a settlement consultant at Ringler. Together, we dive into employment disputes and learn how structured settlements can be a viable option for plaintiffs. Let's listen in. Britt Karp and Chris Chan, welcome to Ringler Radio. Thanks so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Excellent. Well, let's start off with a quick background on each of you. So Britt, um, could you tell our audience who you are and what you do?
0: Sure. So I'm currently an employment attorney. I've been an attorney for about 12 years now, um, and I've been doing employment law exclusively for the past uh, a little over four years.
1: Excellent. Chris, what is your background and what do you do? Yeah, sure.
2: Thanks, Matt. Um, So I am a settlement advisor with Z Settlement Advisors, a member of Ringler um, based out of Los Angeles, California. And uh, I basically help put plans together on a plaintiff's side for um, plaintiffs who have been involved in specific settlements, whether that's uh, personal injury, employment, um, wrongful death, workers' compensation, those kinds of different cases, I I help put together plans that will help them get the most out of their settlements.
1: Excellent. Okay. So, we today on our episode, we're going to be talking about employment disputes, and you two are the experts on the subject. So, the less talking I do, the better. But I just want to ask the first question How do you guys know each other? How did you come to work together in this particular industry?
2: It's a funny story, actually. Um, Britt, you want to tell or you want me to tell it?
0: Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs>
2: okay. All right. So, uh, it's actually, uh, we were, it, it was a career. Uh, fine. We were both at a conference at the same time. What ended up happening was at some point we bonded over the game of craps. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, we were at the craps. I t- I told him I was going to show them uh, her and her friend Angela how to play craps. Um, now I'm not an expert myself, but uh, I I do know that the odds are better in the favor of the player. One of the few games in Vegas, and uh, being a numbers guy, like I I want the numbers to be in our favor. So. Uh, we played a little bit of craps at the at the um, craps table, and then we bonded over that, and we started hanging out more at the conferences, and we just became friends.
0: That's true. Yeah, it's been a long time, and at least I had never played craps before, but Chris had offered to uh, let us help him gamble, and I was excited <laughs> to <laughs> not have to lose money, but to be a part of it. I think we did make you lose money, but we. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, uh, it was it was still a win though because I, I, I gained friendships out of out of the game. So that was a it was a worth it was a
1: worthy gamble. Well, that's that seems really fun and organic, Britt. Let's start with you. So, what is an employment dispute?
0: Sure. So most of the cases, at least, that we deal with are um, discrimination, harassment, um, retaliation. Those are kind of the ones that come up the most where uh, an employee uh, has been subjected to that type of treatment and they uh, want to then go and sue their employer. And, you know, you can't you can't just say you've been harassed because the employer just doesn't like your hair. Potentially, they don't like brunettes, but it has to be because you're a member of a particular uh, suspect class. So it has to okay. be that you're harassed because of your your race, um, your gender, um, disability, uh, different things like that. So it has to be a particular uh, category that you're being targeted for. Um, I had once heard it as said. I guess you can't uh, you can't ask really suit just because your employer is a jerk. Uh, it needs to be for, uh, they need to be mistreating you for an illegal reason. Um, so okay. those are the most common ones, but we'll also do, um, you know, unpaid wage claims. If, um, you know, your employer is just not paying you or not paying you on time, if you're mm. not getting meal and rest breaks, those kinds of things come up. Um, those are more, what we call wage and hour type of claims. Um, okay. so there's that category and then there's more of the discrimination category.
1: And this is in all aspects of labor markets. So this is blue collar to white collar across the board.
0: Yes, exactly. I know in California, um, the Fair Employment and Housing Act will apply um, if you have just five employees or more. And so, you know, that's very uh, most most places of employment.
1: Right. Okay. (laughs) excellent. Well, thank you for that. Chris, uh, knowing what Britt does and how she works and the connection you've made over time, uh, you've obviously worked together. So, um, how, do, in your expertise with structured settlements, how do structured settlements differ when working with an employment dispute case versus your typical structured settlement when you're working with a, a physical injured party?
2: Yeah. So, Traditional structured settlements fall under an IRS tax code 104A2. It's something um, that is talked about constantly within the uh, National Structured Settlements Trade Organization. And essentially what it allows for is someone who has some form of physical injury to receive periodic payments over time and set that up at the time of settlement. Now, the thing is, is all of those benefits are tax-free, as well as the interest earned on it. Employment cases are a little bit different in that Essentially, there's no physical manifestation. Now, there can be if you have a uh, an attorney who can find some form of physical manifestation within employment. So, for example, um, maybe there was some harassment, uh, some discrimination that was being done, and it was really bad to the point where there were some physical manifestations of like ulcers, um, or maybe maybe uh, even as crazy as something like a heart attack manifested from from that kind of harassment. Now, you have uh, the ability to file an employment case, but also encompass the the what we call a qualified case where, where all the benefits um, could be potentially tax-free or a portion of those benefits could be tax-free. Um, but usually with employment cases, if there's no physical manifestation, then it's a taxable event. And so you're getting taxed as you receive funds. But there's a huge tax advantage to this because uh, there's always a federal... Uh, tax bracket that you're going to be in when you receive a settlement. And then, uh, of course, your state. And within California, we have some of the highest uh, taxes from a state level when it comes to um, the different tax brackets. So you apply those, the federal and the state tax bracket to the settlement. And all of a sudden, once you start getting over really $100,000, uh, it starts really affecting how much money you're going to be netting from that settlement. And then I guess well, the employment uh, product that we have for structures allows you to not get taxed on the whole, but rather be taxed as you receive the funds, spreading out that liability.
1: Okay. So it sounds like there's some some different considerations with employment cases versus a, a physical injury cases. And, but it, there's still a, a, a net benefit to the individual to consider a structured settlement uh, as, as there is claimed, is progressed through the employment dispute. So it's tax deferred rather than tax free. Am I getting that right? Correct.
2: Okay and unless you can bring in a hybrid case right where there's the, the physical manifestation right yeah right
1: okay okay so Britt as you're walking through the case with your clients, what are some of the considerations that you're providing them and other things that they could be weighing when they're considering their settlement options or if they go to trial I mean I'm guessing the burden of proof is very high in the employment space and I, I'm just cross-referencing other maybe areas of law where, you know, a physical injury, it's a a physical injury. They can debate about what it'll cost, but it's pretty apparent. Harassment and other things, they could be less apparent. Is that the
0: right word? Sure. I think that's right. And I think also kind of like you're saying, there can be um, a lot of he said, she said, Um, Mm. you know, the employee will say my boss made these offensive comments and the boss can just as easily say, Nope. And so uh, it's really important to be able to have witnesses, to have others who can support that. I actually, I do find myself surprised as to maybe how careless people could be in the workplace, where you. I have been able to have plenty of other colleagues come in and say, oh, yeah, he says uh, terrible things about older folks all of the time. Like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is great. Uh, not great as far as a workplace, right. but great as far as evidence. Um, but yes, I mean, you still have to weigh, because um, I, I think one thing that's perhaps nice about um, California is that it is more employee-friendly, and I guess we're viewed as not in all cities, but definitely in L.A. and the Bay, the Bay Area, um, we're more of a, a liberal um, locale. And so at least there, if you talk about an employer discriminating based on uh, different membership in, um, in suspect classes, then that's uh, going to be sympathetic often to a jury. But if you're in other areas, um, then a lot of times they might think, well, maybe you want some fresh blood there. Maybe you want some... Uh, younger employees who are go-getters. And it's not so uh, terrible to try to um, make some older folks retire. At least I can see an argument being made like that. So I think there's different things to weigh. And so they have to take into account that when they go to trial, um, a somewhat random group of their peers is deciding their fate. And so sometimes yeah. it is better to just settle um, when there is a, a decent offer on the table. That's guaranteed money. Yeah.
2: Hey Britt. just curious with a lot of the, he said, she said, uh, do you rely heavily on, I mean, I guess you'd have to rely heavily on the testimony of, of a lot of the coworkers, but like if a lot of those coworkers aren't willing to speak up out of fear for retaliation against them, I mean well in that case you have another case but yeah. but I guess I guess you have to rely heavily on on that right otherwise there's it that he said she said becomes a problem and I'm just curious how do you overcome that like make make trying to get some testimonial
0: Sure definitely I mean sometimes I think that we are able to as opposed to direct evidence when someone says You know, I just really I think women are incompetent. That's uh, it's it's hard to find a smoking gun like that, but Mm -hmm. a lot of times, at least, we have more circumstantial evidence where you could see maybe across the board all of the men are getting promoted, or across the board they're getting paid more money, Um, and there's just more things that can be an undertone of kind of what's happening there. Maybe all the women are in the office are asked to go get coffee for everybody else, even though they're on the same um, the the same role or same status in the company. Uh, So different things we can try to point to other reasons, or perhaps if someone's fired, this is often if someone's terminated and they've had nothing but glowing reviews, then it starts to become a little suspicious. What else is going on here? Mm. What else can we point to um, as to why they would be mistreated if they've done nothing wrong? Their numbers are great. All of that, if that makes sense.
1: OK, so, Chris, as these considerations are being weighed and folks are kind of going through the process, um, how could you provide maybe an example to our audience of you know, kind of how you come in? So, Britt's done a great job of explaining, you know, the, the, the different varying aspects of the law that are taken into account. But now let's maybe shift to a numbers conversation. Right. So what, what what's an example that you can share uh, with our audience of, of, of something that's happened in the past that you've been able to help with?
2: Thinking about it now, I remember there was a specific case that Britt and I worked on, uh, which was a wrongful termination case. And it, this product just really, really worked out for her because, um, Britt, was she uh she was an exec, right? Uh, like an executive at her company? Was that yeah, right?
0: she was a high wage earner. She was um, quite high up in the company. Um, yeah, so it was especially helpful for her, I think, as far as tax brackets.
2: And this was uh, a whistleblower case, if I remember correctly, right? This is what, yeah. So it was a whistleblower case. She had a wrongful termination against her. And uh, so we had a ballpark, I, I think somewhere in, around the 200 to 250 figure around there was wh- what she was going to uh, get a settlement out of. And uh, I think once she found out how much money was going to go to taxes, uh, it became very apparent, like she wasn't happy with
1: <laughs> the settlement, and rightfully it, so, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we
2: all hate taxes, uh, but yeah. but yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like the the federal tax bracket, when you look at around over one hundred and eighty two thousand dollars, roughly around there, it becomes like thirty two percent. That's just for federal, and then you add in the state tax brackets, and it's a giant chunk of change that that you have a liability of. Um, so, if in this instance wrongful termination has somewhere around a ballpark of like 180 70 to 200 something coming to her and then she finds out all these different tax brackets that she could be hit with she's not happy um we t- and also she's working right so she was wrongfully or she planned on i can't remember actually brit was she working uh still after her wrongful termination or was she planning on working
0: Yeah, she had already found a a replacement job. And I think she might have even been making more money, which I'm very happy for her. But at least as far as recovery in the case, um, we can't really complain as much about lost wages. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If if that comes in, it helps us that we could say, look how great she is. She got hired so quickly and she's even making more. But yes, um, that takes away an area of recovery.
2: And, and now you also have to compound the fact that she's making more money, right? So so her tax bracket now, besides the settlement amount, you're taking in income, right? So however much money she's making there, that might bump her up another whole tax bracket. She might now be uh, at 35 or even the, the maximum tax bracket, federal tax bracket of 37% and without including the state tax bracket. So it's like a double whammy because, yay, I got income, I got another job. But now my settlement's going to be reduced even further. And so what she was able to do was take the majority of her settlement for this wrongful termination, put it in an annuity, defer it one year, and then have it pay out monthly. And that supplemented her income and was also going to be a supplement to her retirement later on.
1: So Chris, could you, there's actually another piece of this employment dispute that I want to make sure we cover. Could you talk about structuring wages and maybe why it's a little bit different for that piece of the settlement than for all the other pieces of the employment dispute?
2: Yeah, I'm actually really glad you reminded me about this because this is a really important fact. Um, within employment cases, you cannot structure uh, lost wages. And that that is, that is unearned income that they were otherwise entitled to. But the real issue with it is that the life insurance companies who we place these annuities with and are making those periodic payment obligations, uh, they do not have or want the ability, they don't have the ability to, or want the ability to uh, report for, to FICA and FUDA. So this is where basically when it comes to lost wages, that's just something that would have to be allocated as cash within a settlement upfront. And then anything else, um, there's a potential of, of structuring for periodic payments.
1: Excellent. Okay. So we've covered a lot of ground in a very short period of time. And we're actually coming up to the end of our time together. So if I could finish with two questions to each of you. Britt, first of all, if you were speaking to your fellow attorneys in the employment space... Uh, And after working with Chris, other than his amazing craps playing skills, (laughs) what would you want them to know about structured settlements in general?
0: Yeah, I would say that this is just generally um, something that they should really consider, that it works well for employment clients. And I know, as Chris pointed out, um, I had a client um, who was getting very frustrated by what was going to happen to her settlement. And there was fear that maybe the settlement would fall apart, or at least just that we would leave with uh, a very, uh, upset customer and so at least it was really helpful to have Chris step in um, deal with her concerns and help her to not lose out on so much of her settlement that she earned from being a whistleblower from um, revealing that the company that she was working for was engaged in some uh, illegal kickbacks and um, she was going mm. to lose out on a lot of that and it seemed pretty unfair so it is really helpful and it just so allows you to have better results for clients.
1: Chris, uh, any final thoughts you'd like to share to uh, attorneys that are out there in the employment world?
2: I guess from the uh, the structure settlement <laughs> side, I'd, I'd have three key points that I'd want uh, people to take away. One is that non-qualified structure settlements are a little different in that they fall under 72U guidelines. It's another IRS code. And essentially what that guideline states is um, this this product has to be payments within one year. You can't defer payments past one year. That's kind of an important factor. Uh, and then also you can't do lump sums within those guidelines. So you couldn't defer 100,000 for a year and then get like 110 or 15 the, the next year. It's got to be e- kind of equal payments paid out over time. And the maximum deferral would be within one year for start time. So that's one key factor. Uh, another key factor is that I would encourage people to bring settlement consultants on early because the earlier you bring on in within the settlement discussions, the more likely chance you're going to have of success of utilizing this product. And then finally, you can't structure lost wages. Lost wages are are income that should have been paid out to the employee, and that's not something that you can actually structure because of the fact that the life insurance companies that are providing these periodic payment benefits they don't have the ability to report to FICA or FUDA. So that's kind of a big thing. If you were to do uh, a structure with lost wages, you would pretty much cash out that amount at the time of settlement, and then you could structure the other things for the tax benefits.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic information from both of you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And that's all the time we have. Britt, Chris, thank you for your time. Thanks, Matt.
0: Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Before we go, if you're a fan of Ringler Radio, be sure to like and subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms and follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook. We'd also like to thank our Ringler Radio sponsors, American General Life Company, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, Prudential, and USAA. For more information about how to work with Britt Karp, we've included her bio and her contact information in our show notes. For more information about finding settlement solutions within an employment dispute, contact your local Ringler consultant by locating them at www.ringlerassociates.com.
0: Ringler Radio is a production of Ringler Associates. All of the opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not represent any legal, tax, or financial advice from Ringler Associates. For more information about how to work with Ringler, visit www.ringlerassociates.com.